So welcome everybody to our next episode on opening up chaplaincy with myself, Joe Mutlow, humanist chaplain working in Bradford, and my colleague. Stig Graham, retired Anglican priest and hospice and palliative care chaplain. And we're really, really pleased to have as our guest today, Dr. Anastasia Somerville-Wong, who's, I think we're going to have some really interesting conversations with Anastasia because she works as a chaplain in Somerset NHS Foundation Trust. So that's in the area of community and mental health. And she also has a role on the multi-faith chaplaincy team at the University of Exeter, uh, obviously working with students and, and staff there. But Anastasia has a really interesting background because she's completed quite a bit of research in the area of uh, religion and belief and philosophy and the impact that these have on society and well-being and she's particularly interested in marginalized and minority histories and heritages which corresponds very much with some of the ideas and preoccupations that Stig and I have on this podcast. So welcome Anastasia. Hi lovely to be here. And I think one of the things I'd perhaps like to kick off with is you know when I've talked to you before I'm very struck by how what a depth of spiritual literacy if we can call it that you have I mean how how able you are to express across beliefs uh the different concepts of spirituality because I think quite often the language of spirituality is framed in a religious way and excludes some people so I don't know if that's somewhere where we could start at what you've done to try and build spiritual literacy and in others and in yourself. Yeah, so one of the things I'm really keen to do is to promote um, a very broad uh, humanistic, but also universalist understanding of, of uh, what human spirituality is, which is all inclusive, so inclusive of everybody, right from the sort of uh, uh, very religious end of the spectrum all the way through to non-religious atheistic um, end of the spectrum. So I think it's really important to, to have um, a concept of spirituality that is uh, uh, for everybody, um, and I know the NHS uses definitions of spirituality that are very broad, you know, it's about meaning and purpose in life, and it is very inclusive. Um, but I've kind of helped to define that a little, little bit more. Um, uh, so define that a little bit more clearly in terms of uh, the different aspects uh, of our lives and our, our lives and our experience that might come under that. So I've got my wheel, which is like a diagram, which has 10 different points of, about spirituality, which I carry around with me on the wards and find that very useful when I'm running spiritual wellbeing groups um, in terms of uh, thinking of themes and uh, also running reflective gatherings and things like that. So um, uh, on that wheel are the kind of 10 sort of areas of spirituality that I think are, are common to all of us apart from one which is 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 something that is more specific to certain people um which is uh god and the supernatural because of course um that that element is something that only some people um find as, as critical to their sort of sense of what it means to be spiritual um well many people in terms of the world but increasingly fewer people in terms of our, our uk population where uh, the majority of people are not no longer religiously affiliated and don't have such a strong sense of that although having said that we'll go on to talk about I'm sure all the different nuances within that when that some, <laughs> there are many non-religious people who who maybe believe in uh, a deity of some kind and many religious people who may be more atheistic so of course there's a, there's a huge yeah, spectrum exactly. of that but um, 
and and lots of different concepts of what exactly God is. Some of them are naturalistic, and you know where God is like a complex metaphor for all sorts of things, whether it's goodness, truth, beauty, all those things all wrapped in one. And for other people, God is very much a supernatural sort of being who um, gives a lawgiver and all of that, you know, and is much more the sort of type of God that um, is described in uh, the Bible, the Quran, or, or, or uh, those sorts of religious texts. So there's a great variety of uh, of understanding of that word, of course. But that I'm just pointing that out as as the one area in my 10 points that is ne not necessarily relevant to everyone in that for so, some so not... i'm just thinking your 10 point wheel that might be yeah. something we could put on our website that, that other people would find interesting yeah that would be great and on it are, are things like you know spirituality being about your inner life so your innermost thoughts and feelings and and connecting with those so to grow spiritually we would need to sort of connect and observe and understand ourselves better in terms of uh, our life story our character and those innermost thoughts and feelings and then i've got number two is community with understanding and enriching our family and community identity heritage culture and traditions and that's an important aspect of spirituality for many people and then there's of course connecting with other people meaningfully with other beings uh, so it may not just be other human beings but also with animals uh, connecting with wisdom and empathy and under that um would would come sort of uh, intimacy as well so and then there are things like uh, in four so uh, my fourth point would be um, about arts and culture being inspired by arts culture and the creations of others and reflecting on the messages that those convey for many people that's a kind of spiritual experience going to see an exhibition or watching a, a ballet performance or whatever it might be um nature uh, number mm. five nature connecting with nature and i've talked about god and and also this number seven is cause so connecting with a, a higher cause in terms of activism activism so you know human rights social justice environmental repair that kind of thing and the last three are things like vocation so our sense of meaning and purpose in life that, that comes through our activities or our main sort of um our main kind of focus in life in terms of, of what we're doing career-wise um, and so for some people that aligns well with their vocation for other people, you, you know, they may be not as lucky and they don't actually have a career at, at the moment that does align fully with their beliefs, values and, and vocation. But that's something I think we should all kind of aim for. And that's a really mm. important part of my sense of, of spirituality is my sense of vocation. Mm. And then obviously I've just mentioned beliefs and values and also um, remaining faithful to those core beliefs and values while also reflecting critically upon them and allowing them to evolve. Mm. So for me, that's an important aspect of spirituality, as is uh, becoming more mindful and connected with reality uh, with truth in the present moment through reflective practices um, so not just through reason science and scholarship but through meditation through uh, journaling through um, all sorts of different types of, of reflective uh, practice that can help us even just talking about things now um, and talking things out is a reflective practice and that can really help us to connect with with the what's real in the here and now yeah no I can really see there's so many aspects of that that different people would latch onto, maybe not the whole, but mm. people would see which one resonated with them. Yeah. And I'm wondering, just with that wheel, how you came to develop it and what your process was to getting to that. Well, I think I just thought very carefully about which aspects of, of life I thought gave our, were where we get as human beings, our real sort of sense of meaning and purpose from. What are the most important things to us? And of course, um, there are lots of things that you might think, oh, I'm missing from my wheel. Like, for example, other people immediately say, what about love? But of course, love comes under um, many of those 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 things. So um, I, I tried to think of sort of broad cat categories that would sort of include everything underneath them in some way or another. Um, 
so that it wasn't so broad because many of the definitions have all sorts of rather sort of vague statements about you know love courage hope and unity and all sorts of, of words but they they didn't there was a sort of lack of clarity i think around sort of the areas of our lives that that this that spirituality might cover so i thought my wheel sort of clarified that and within mm. there's room for all those other sort of more emotional and uh, maybe less harder to de define areas of what spirituality means to us so for, for love is obviously a term that's enormously <laughs> there's enormous diversity in how that's understood and and, and the, you know obviously some in some cultures there are many different words for love um and, and different types of love and different understandings of that so um I wanted something that sort of gave a bit more clarity and something I could take onto the wards and when I'm having a one-to-one -one, I can actually sort of think what is this person talking about when they're talking about their life what in terms of the spiritual assessment and care plan I'm thinking which area of spirituality are they really sort of um is, is really sort of important to them at the moment and and quite often that is maybe connection with a, a family member so that would be number th under number three that would be about connections with other people um or, or for another person it would, might be nature maybe they talk a lot about how they like to walk in nature and that really helps them to feel um, mm. well so um there tends to be sort of one or two maybe three areas of uh, focus for them in terms of what they're seeking in terms of their uh, of spiritual nourishment in order to help them heal from their current sort of predicament and situation and i find having that wheel and being able to sort of put things under sections helps me to remember and helps me to create a care plan for them and really sort of think through what might be helpful for that patient mm, mm. and it also helps me to come up with themes for the reflective gatherings or spiritual well-being groups because of course underneath those those titles come um lots of different sort of ideas for for groups um Thank you for that. It's just so many insights there and um, reality and science is part of your wheel. Uh, and as a scientist, I, I'm always fascinated how science itself is embedded with all kinds of unspoken beliefs. And, and as we're now realizing how those beliefs shape, have shaped the data you know, we look for and, and how we interpret that data. And, that's particularly true when science is dominated by almost exclusively in the past, certainly, white male scientists who bring their own narrow perspective to their own area of study, which has uh, really limited the way we see the universe. There. What I'm what I'm struck by is how accessible that is. You know, I can imagine also going on to um, a ward or going to meet someone and trying to find that connection point where you're going to have a conversation which is beyond the everyday and how was your dinner and um, what's your room like and did you watch anything on tv which are still valid conversations but to get a layer below that I think there's a lot of people who don't know how to access that layer and even going back to this spiritual literacy even don't have the words for that what I love about your wheel is there's several points of access Mm -hmm. And people can also cross-reference across the wheel. So it gives them a way of articulating and almost not quite categorizing, but allocating mm. their inner world with something very accessible. And I think that's huge. And those words, like you say, like love and unity and yes, they are about spirituality, but they're quite difficult to get into because they're quite abstract. And what I love about your your wheel is the accessibility of it and the way it can be used by different people in different ways. It's a quick way as well of persuading people that they are spiritual, because uh, I think it was the um, 
is it the network for pastoral spiritual and religious care and health did a study recently and they found that actually a very significant proportion of the british population don't see themselves as spiritual it was 40 something percent it was, it was very high and it was higher than i imagined it would be and that's interesting given that a, a, a you know one of our institutions the nhs has these broad definitions that are inclusive of everybody and yet you know for a lot of people in our society don't see themselves as spiritual that's really difficult especially as a chaplain going on towards when you yeah. want people to engage and if they don't even see themselves as spiritual and um, then they're not going to think you know that spiritual care is relevant to them yeah so, lovely thing to be able to go on there and quite often I say you know this is what I think when I think spirituality this is what for me spirituality means and then very often I have people say oh oh now you put it that way okay I, I am spiritual yeah it's that a way of revealing to people mm. which I think is a really really interesting yeah. really interesting approach so we'll definitely put it up on our website could you tell us a little bit more about You've talked about these spiritual well-being groups and and how you work with groups um, on wards. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, the groups I run are based on on themes that sort of come under the, the spirituality wheel. That's how I sort of where I start. But um, so I've taken groups. So uh, recently I took one on the solace of small things, sometimes the wonder of small things. But that, that was a, a lovely group uh, where we focused on uh, kind of the the, the small what seemingly insignificant experiences we might have in life that can give us a real sense of connectedness to reality and a real sense of um yeah of engagement of our senses uh in, in the present and in the now so meditational type type thing and some one of the patients was talking about how um you know she felt she had so little left in life to lose and things that were so at such a low ebb but then she was peeling an orange one morning and she was uh, experiencing the, the scent of the orange and looking at the bright color of it. And she said it, she just was struck by the beauty of this orange. Um, and um, that really sort of made her think, oh, actually, you know, this this is such a small thing. But if the sum of these small things could be quite a great thing. And so my um, my actual sort of group was really all about that, how all these seemingly small, insignificant things can make up a really beautiful world and, and give us a real sense of of meaning connectedness with with it um uh, so you know that was one of our groups uh, uh I, I what i love about that is the way that you're enabling conversations between people as well mm. which i think is also um i observe this again in hospital like in acute care you might go up to someone a visitor and someone in bed they're not having a conversation they've been married for 50 years They've said everything they're going to say. They're a bit of a loss. But you come along as the extra person in that conversation and it starts a conversation then with you, but actually with each other, which is on a more spiritual level. And I think the way that we can come in and, and enable that conversation, mm. whether it's with two people or with a whole group, is something quite unique to this role. Mm. Yeah, it is. But it's, I think it's also about reaching out to those uh, people who, if you like, self-define as not being spiritual, not because they are anti-spiritual, but because they haven't got the links and the vocabulary to talk about it. What I'm thinking of, particularly over the years, is uh, particularly men, I would have to say, um, and particularly older men, who've been engineers uh, cabinet makers or even even watchmakers you know be in in this area and if you could get them 
talking in terms of the things they did and the creativity. That was one of the things that you mentioned on, on, on your wheel. So even if you get to the end of the conversation and they still would be saying, yeah, but I'm not really spiritual. You know, I'm talking to you because you're a bloke and a, a scientist. But actually, we've been having a really spiritual conversation because the, the values that they bring to those things, you know, like doing a good job. Mm -hmm. I often get that actually as a humanist chaplain going on towards quite often. Um, uh, people will say they don't want to speak to a chaplain. And then yeah. when I say I'm a non-religious chaplain, they'll say, OK, that's that's a bit different. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to yeah. you because uh, a lot of it. And again, especially men, I find are quite sort of defensive about religion. And they, they you know, yeah. They, yeah, they'll sort of open up to me and they'll say they're not spiritual and they want to speak to somebody non-religious. And then we'll find that we've had a really sort of conversation about all sorts of deeper, meaningful things. And then towards the end of it, they'll say, OK, that was quite a spiritual conversation you know, that we've had, you know, the, a bit, that uh, that acknowledgement that, you know, we've had a deep and meaningful conversation uh, and a nutritious conversation in, in that sense. And I think that's uh, that's always a really lovely finish when you somebody sort of becomes aware that actually, yeah, this is this is the spiritual care thing, this this sort of deeper connection with somebody is is really important and is um, really helpful. Um, in, in their situations to, to, to have that and um yeah we've had some quite um exciting mornings on the wards where people have sort of been debating you know what god means and um you know from yeah. all different aspects because of because of me being there because they'll say oh so you don't believe in god and i'll say well i'm agnostic about the supernatural um uh, and um, then it'll start off a huge discussion and, and which they'll all be talking about you know that what different sort of ways of different ways of uh, understanding that word whether it's a, a metaphor a complex metaphor for beauty truth goodness and, and those sorts of yep. things whether it really is something a supernatural force or you know a, a sort of a, a supernatural being like a lawgiver that you find in in the bible and quran and uh, those sorts of religious texts or or whether god is uh, more of a feeling or uh, something much more personal or um a personification of trees and uh, rivers and things as you get with uh, some of our pagan patients uh, uh, talk very much about yeah. about god in that sense so that you get this really sort of broad discussion yeah, around yeah. uh all of these things of meaning to us and what labels we put on them whether yeah. that's god or all sorts of other labels we might put on them but very often we find that we have quite a lot more common ground than, than mm -hmm. we did at the beginning mm -hmm. it's always lovely I, to do that. I just want to pick up on something you said there which i think is a lovely word a nourishing conversation that's mm -hmm. how you described it and i think that's I'm going to take that away because I think that's a lovely way of talking about some conversations that you manage to have. But you, I know you've also got an interest in the arts and you mentioned that in your wheel and poetry and so forth. And, and as a funeral celebrant, I think we use poems quite often as part of the nourishment of a, a funeral ceremony. But I don't know if you want to tell us a bit more about what you've done uh, with using um, the arts and painting and poetry as part of your chaplaincy practice. Yeah, so um, I have done some poetry prescribing with one-to-ones, which is always lovely when you can prescribe a poem for a particular situation. Uh, I've done sort of shared reading groups where people will come and they'll read um, bits of a poem or go around and, uh, and, and read it and then discuss what it might mean to us, how, how we might interpret it, um, uh, and that's very personal. Uh, things like um, uh, I've done a bits of creative writing and journalism with patients, uh, journalism journaling sorry <laughs> uh, journaling with patients um and um 
yeah, uh, and obviously I use poetry a great deal, poetry and, and music uh, and song a great deal in the reflective gatherings that I take. And I find that patients love in general to join in with the singing. And then they usually want more and more songs. So we, we quite often end up um, having having a well-being group that's actually sort of half a half a choir sort of singing group, <laughs> followed by the rest of it. Um, yeah, so so they love that. They love to sing. And, and quite often they're really enthusiastic about reading the poems. So before I've even sort of handed out the sheet, somebody's reading it aloud, you know, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but again, uh, even is... that is, uh, you know, that that spirituality of uh, of choirs, mm. you know, the sense of being able to share music, to contribute different elements of of music, you know, to have to sing in the different parts. Um, you know, you'll get somebody going off and doing a descant. You know, doing a descant on your own is is pretty boring, really. But it's it's when you blend these things, and then you're you're part of something that's bigger than you mm. are. And that, I think, you know, really, that's almost a definition of spirituality in a, in a broad. Well, it's way. it's this connection that you have on your wheel, connection with each other, and the art of communing. You know, whether it's communal singing or whether it's communal focus on a poem, which I think is is missing in a lot of chaplaincy practice because we're individually focused. And obviously when you're working in a mental health charity, you have a more constant group of people that you're, you're seeing because people are staying longer than they would in an acute hospital. And there's scope to develop over time a relationship and a discourse and a dialogue with people. So I think that the, the contrast between those is, is significant. But I love the way that you bring people together. And I think that is probably quite unusual, Anastasia, across the country. I mean, I think it happens in prisons. Um, but I think that whole area of practice is something we could all learn from. Yeah, yeah. I really love to encourage people to read their own things as well or sing their own songs, because quite often they've created sometimes their own little poems or their own mm. Um, uh, songs that they like to sing and, and to have a space within that to do that and that may be from a different faith or belief tradition or it may just be um, you know non-religious but um, I always sort of leave a space for, for patients to do that too and I think they find that really sort of meaningful and gives them a real sense of that they can express themselves and to encourage them to do that I often sometimes use my well often use my own uh, a poem of my own that I've written or um, a song that I've written to sort of encourage them, you know, say, well, I can, I've done this and, you know, I'm willing to do this in front of all of you, which is, you know, quite difficult for anyone to, to do, to share something so personal. But, and, but that is a, a challenge, though, isn't it, in the, in the present mm -hmm. uh, NHS setup, that a lot yeah. of these communal groups, you know, the likes of day mm -hmm. units, day mm -hmm. hospice, are being cut back on mm -hmm. because the, the social, spiritual, psychological impact that that can have isn't recognized compared to some kind of, I don't know, uh, curative therapy uh, practice. So an awful lot of these units are, are being closed. And, um, you know, if you have the right group, as you say, you can just go in and then all of a sudden you've got a poetry group reading mm. or you've got a little mini choir or an art group um i remember just being asked once stig what do you think of pornography because they wanted to get a model in <laughs> not 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 through me i have to say but um you know what was the difference between art and pornography you know that, that was a really intense discussion we had in our day hospice so you again you're talking values and communal perception but 
It's very yeah. normalizing because it means that people who are normally in this environment that's so sterile and so formal and um, so alien from home life, and then suddenly they're in a group where yeah. you know they could be somewhere completely different. It takes them completely out of that context. Yeah. Like they, you know, it's like for a religious patient being taken out of the ward to go to a church service. Mm. For this is sort of a, obviously universally inclusive. The groups that I run for for religious and non-religious mm. alike, and they they so everyone feels when they come along that they're they're no longer a mental health patient for that mm. hour, whatever it is. Mm. They are part of a, a shared experience of, yeah, of, yeah. on a theme, whether it's autumn or courage or hope or whatever it is. They are having this sort of really um, enriching shared experience, and, and they are no longer just just a patient yeah, or, yeah. or somebody who's waiting their next sort of round of medication yeah. they, they they sort of valued on, on a whole different different level and i think that's really meaningful for and people. i liked mm. your use of the word normalizing as well because you know people can feel that they are isolated because they they're feeling th this way and surely it's only them and then all of a sudden with the with a within a group where some people are saying yeah i know exactly and i feel the same and i do this and oh really you know so you've got that overlap but also within that group you've got that inclusivity because even if you're part of a minority if you can still feel accepted within the group you know and that uh that you grieve in a particular way with one or two people even if most of the group don't but nonetheless people are embracing the fact that you grieve well that's fine mm -hmm. but you you can't do it with very small groups or just ones and twos which is mm. a, a challenge mm. well you can but uh, <laughs> you know but it, it's it's much better for if it happens naturally through the action of the group mm. and is this a point anastasia to, to mention your secular lit liturgies if i could even say it your secular liturgies um network yeah no that would be great yeah it's really um it, it's it's really it's a blog where I publish a variety of things, you know, um, interviews with people, various sort of um, uh, inclusive faith belief leaders, but also academics and, and various people who who's, who are writing or researching or have interest in, in themes relevant to sort of spirituality and spiritual care um, and ethical leadership, that kind of thing. And and um, the Secular Liturgies Network is a network of, of people that I've kind of linked up with who have those sorts of roles and interests. Um, and I've also started a sort of inclusive chaplaincy network as well to sort of push for greater inclusivity in terms of of broadening chaplaincy teams, but also in terms of meeting uh, sort of the spiritual needs right across the, the spectrum of, of, of belief. Um, yeah. And then would, uh, would you include in that, you know, the, the wider groups as part of that diversity, you know, LGBT groups, for instance, yes, uh, ethnicity, you know, that that kind of diversity? Most definitely, most definitely. And um, also, actually, I've been asked by one of the ward managers to uh, to to do something to address the fact that now they've got a, a sort of an influx of more overseas staff address some of the, the issues they're having around incidences of um, of people making, you know, prejudicial remarks and that kind of thing. And, and some racist incidents on incidents on the wards. Um, and they first wanted me to run a, um, a group, well, to to sort of teach on the different faith and belief traditions in order to sort of educate people. But I thought it'd be much better actually to do it this indirectly in terms of helping to helping people to appreciate the breadth and depth of different cultures and traditions through the creative groups that 
that I run. So making, you know, including as much world music and world poetry as I can and, and speaking within the group um, context, within that creative context about uh, the insights from various different traditions and cultures uh, to, to really show people to, so that you're not sort of saying to people what you believe is wrong. You need to learn this. This is what you should. This is what's true and you should learn this. Uh, it's not so sort of instructive as that. It's much more sort of just opening people's eyes to the great wealth of um, of expression and um, experience within many different traditions and cultures uh, so that when they then meet each other and they meet somebody of a different color of a different uh, ethnicity um, of a different um, cultural background they they won't immediately jump to their sort of preconceived notions of a particular kind of, of person mm. <laughs> in that way but they will they will have a much broader understanding and so they won't immediately be so or so quickly putting people into boxes that's the kind of that's the kind of um, uh, yeah uh, indirect sort of influence I'm hoping this will have that, that that people will meet people then without so many underlying immediate assumptions um because they will have seen they'll they'll maybe think back and think oh i remember when um, anastasia read that um lovely persian islamic poem and that was very very inclusive or that was very insightful in some way and so when they maybe meet somebody from iran they might instead of thinking immediately oh you know uh some of the maybe prejudices they have there about islam and about um uh iran they might instead be thinking um, of that poem and and thinking uh, okay th this is a culture they come from somewhere with a really rich and, and beautiful mm. culture and um you know I I'm gonna wait and see what this person is like and, and get to know them before I make any judgment I think, that yeah I think that's you know it's all little steps towards a a higher understanding isn't it and let's hope that along the way all our little steps I think help and I think absolutely we as chaplains or whatever our roles are called are role models in that we make it safe for people to explore those different beliefs in a in our non-judgmental way and we attempt to be inclusive and I think what Stig and I have in mind with this podcast is that people have access to people like you who are not on their team so someone who's brimming full of ideas and initiatives mm. and has different ways of doing things they don't meet them on their teams. Their teams may be quite monocultural yep, or yep. mono-religion. So they mm. don't meet people like you. They don't see the value added in having people like you on our team, on their team. So this has been a great chance for people to hear. As I say, you're brimming with ideas. You have lots of innovations in practice. You're pushing the boundaries on what chaplaincy means and how it can be delivered. And I think that's been a really interesting discussion today. Don't you think, Stig? Yes, oh, absolutely fascinating. Something we could still take further. Yeah, yeah. But I think if we if we close it there and thank you very much, Stasia, for all that you've you've shared with us, we'll if you can send us a copy of the uh, wheel, I'll put that up on the website because I'm sure people I think I'll be using that actually. It's something yes. I'm gonna take take to my team and say, look, this would be a good way for us to Yes, discuss between will. ourselves let alone with patients uh, I can see lots of lots of uses of that so so thank you very much for joining us thank you thanks Joe thanks Stig thanks. okay then. thank you bye all now. right then bye bye. bye bye and thank you to to our listeners if you got this far I hope you found it as inspiring as Joe and I clearly did so do have a look for it on our website 
uh, to opening up chaplaincy. And as always, we do enjoy hearing from you. So do let us know your own thoughts and ideas, or even if you disagree with us, and send us an email to openupchap at gmail.com. Bye for now.